Passing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter Jack Vittles. Welcome to the latest Getting Out Loud with myself, Michelle Owen and Jack Vittles. We're hoping to spread some festive cheer today, but lots to get through. We can look back on some of the positives. However, we're going to start with that defeat at the weekend away at Gillingham. Jack, you drove down to Kent to cover the game. A disappointing loss. But what I want to start with talking about is Daryl Clark's reaction, because I've read some of your articles on the Post website and obviously you saw him after the game. And I've seen him be like this before, after defeats, and you've said he's always like this, that he plays this disappointed card. And I know he's disappointed, but he doesn't go in there and rant and rage, but he says how disappointed it is. And, you know, like when you're a kid and your parents says you're disappointed in you, it's the worst thing. But is that tactic working? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think... He certainly said that a lot, and I think he's just becoming very frustrated more than anything. He said he's at a bit of a a bit of a loss to explain mm. exactly why they can't pull consistent performances out, especially away from home. When you know they won two games in a row, won really comfortably, one they ground out a good three points, and then to rock up at Gillingham and you know put in a performance that really wasn't good enough at all um, against a side who have been struggling big time. You can understand why he's disappointed, but yeah, he often comes out and says, you know, I'm, I'm happy to take the flak. I'll always do that as manager. Um, but I think he's just really at a loss of how to explain it. What's the problem? Why can't you string together any sort of results? Um, and he's just, yeah, at a loss to explain it. It's just so inconsistent, isn't it? Like you said, the win the weekend before felt almost quite emphatic. It felt like there was some positivity around the club. The 3 0 win against Southend United. Uh, what changed in a week? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. And it was an unchanged side as well, which is. Pretty rare for Rovers, and Clark mentioned that after the game. He says he gets a lot of stick for changing the side mm. every week, but he put out a side that was unchanged and got beat comprehensively. So, you know, you can't really predict that. Um, what changed? I don't know. It was the same 11 uh, in the same positions, sent out, I assume, with the same team talk. Um, it's just the level the players themselves individually are showing at the moment is so inconsistent. Mm. And if each player is inconsistent, obviously the team will be. Um, there were a few bright spots here and there, but as a as a team, they were sort of defensively pretty weak again there were pretty basic defensive errors which has been a hallmark of their season yeah I've seen I've seen the penalty instant and yeah why is he making that challenge there yeah I've no idea um, and the really annoying thing is with the, well, the they gave away two penalties the first one with Partington he's played so well the last three weeks but he didn't need to make that challenge and you, he knew he'd done it straight away because oh, yeah, he put his hands up and then he had his hands on his head yeah and he knew it yeah, completely. He, as soon as he made the trap challenge, there was no complaints. He was just thinking, you know, what the hell have I done? Mm. Um, you know, it was a nice ball into the box and, and Wagstaff was running onto it, but I've no idea why he came across like that. A bit of a, a rush of blood, obviously, and it, it, it cost Rovers, didn't it? That put them 1-0 up, and from there on, it was all it was all Gillingham. We said about this Gillingham game that it was one they really should be winning, given their position above Gillingham in the table. And, and given that, it's quite a worrying scoreline... Uh, Gillingham still are below them, but that these are the games that they have to win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you look at the fixture list in December, in terms of away games, this was a big one to target. Gillingham, they've won one, I think, out of ten home league games before this. Um, I think it was the worst home record in the league. Mm. Um, and Rose really should have went there, and they did go there, full of confidence. I spoke to Tom Lockyer after the game, and he said that, that was the most confident going into a game he's been all season. Um, and he really thought they turned a corner after last week but you know, it wasn't to be obviously Gillingham played quite well um, for a side that were 21st going into the game they didn't look like relegation candidates but they weren't anything special they weren't amazing they certainly shouldn't have beaten Rovers 4-1 
So it was a little bit surprising in terms of the way Gillingham turned up, but it's a crazy league anyway, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. It's so unpredictable. And it's still it's still so tight, given, you know, relative terms between the top and the bottom. There's not that much in it. But just talking about Daryl Clark again and after the game, and we've both seen how he is and his demeanour, do you think he does actually need to go into that dressing room and, and rant and rave and kick some kit bags about <laughs> and throw a bit of a strop? Yeah, maybe. I, he, I know he was uh, very vocal with the players after the Blackburn defeat a few weeks ago. So he has um, tried that tactic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he came up and said after the Blackburn defeat that he's been down there and you know torn strips off the wall, screamed and shouted at the players and let them know it wasn't good enough. Um, and that was actually an OK performance. That was just a stupid 10 minutes where they gave it away. This was the worst performance over 90 minutes. Um, I think, you know, he's just trying, trying anything, isn't he, at the moment? Whether he shouts at them, puts an arm around them. You know, it's horses for courses with different players, I'm sure, to get the best out of them. Mm. But as it stands at the moment, it's just a, a real struggle, especially away from home, to get any sort of consistent performance out of the players. What have you seen from fans about Daryl Clark at the moment? What are their, their thoughts on, on him? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, as always, I think the majority of fans are still right behind him. Um, are there any? Again, have you seen much evidence of people saying he's not the right man? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more, certainly more than there would have been at the start of the season, I think that's for sure. And a few people, are, you know, with the obvious questions, has he taken them as far as they can go? Um, does he need a fresh pair of, you know, hands to get more out of these players or maybe bring in other players with contacts? Um, so people are raising questions, certainly, and they will do when you've lost, uh, you know, whatever it is, 10 out of 13 games in a row now. Yeah, let um, me ask you this then about Daryl Clark reaching his level. Number one, is Daryl Clark the man to take Bristol Rovers to the Championship? And number two, is he a Championship-level manager? Yeah, it's a good question, actually, isn't it? Because I think this time last season, most people would have said that he is a Championship-level manager, or he, he will become one, certainly. Um, he's going through the trickiest phase he's ever had as a manager. Mm. Um, he's so, still so young. Yeah, absolutely. In, he's, in he's, 40, he's 40 times. yesterday. Yeah. Uh, oh, was 40 he? 40 at the game, yeah. So, what a horrible birthday present. Yes, yeah. it's exactly. A long trip and, and 4-1 thrashing. But yeah, he is still young. He's still learning. It's only his first full-time professional managerial job yeah. after the Salisbury one. Um, so I think he's obviously bought himself some time with the good performances over the last three and a half years. And this is the first, the first bad run they've had. I think the club owe him... January transfer window and then a month or two afterwards at least just to to give him that chance to shape the team mm. one more time see if he can change things around and try and pick them up before the end of the season I mean if not obviously the voices for change will grow louder well, So you think if he doesn't get near the playoffs this season then No, I don't, I don't, do no think... I don't think that I just think that if they can bring in players in January which is obviously heavily dependent on the board and the money um, if Clark is able to uh, work a bit more magic in the transfer window as he has done over the last couple of years mm. um and get them back up. You know, I think a top half finish now. Would be the acceptable. Top half finish would be acceptable, yeah. They came 10th last season. I think the same again would be okay. But the goal was to go better than that. And that was a very open goal that Absolutely. was set by Daryl Clark and the club. That was the ambition this season. So you can, everyone can understand the fans' disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. I think even if they had a good finish and finished 11th or 12th in the table, there would still be questions over his future in the summer. Um, just from the sake, it's football, isn't it? People like to change things. Two similar seasons... Do you want to change your hands to try and push for the top six again? But, yeah, I think now, looking at the way things have gone over the first mm. half of the season, most Rovers fans would take a, a top-half finish now. Does, you know, Not to say the playoffs are out of the, 
the picture entirely. You know, I'm an Exeter City fan and they went crazy last season, end of the season. So yeah, what a run they it went could, on. It could happen. And I think they were like second from bottom in November, weren't they? So. Yeah, second bottom at Christmas, I think, and then into the playoffs. So yeah. it can happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and I still think they're more likely to to end up coming 15th, 16th, and they are sixth. But I think, I think I'm ninth or 10th. Okay, let me ask you this then, and I, I don't want to ask this, but I think it's a question that needs to be asked as someone that sees them week in, week out, on the road and at home. Are they relegation candidates? See, I want to say no, and I, I don't think they are because they're, not to use the horrible phrase, I think they're too good to go down. I think there's enough quality in that side to keep them up. Um, Daryl mentioned for the first time after the game at Gillingham, sort of said, you know, we need to get more consistent or we will be dragged down into the bottom of the league sort of hinting at a, a relegation scrap style situation. Um, I just think there are worse teams in this league than Rovers. And the mm. home form is good. If they keep hold of the home form, um, if they keep hold, keep hold of their best players in January as well, well. We'll come on to that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. So I just think I'd like to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. I'd like to say no as well. Um, let's look at these fixtures coming up over the festive period then. Doncaster at home. Rovers form at the Mem is so good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, so this is another good opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Against a, a team a, that are below them? Yeah, a Doncaster side that have been struggling um, at home where Rovers are so good. Um, they've got a, a stupid record at home, Rovers, from December to the end of the season, basically. So I think over the last three seasons, it's something like 33 wins, six draws and a defeat in 40 games. From December to the end of the season, so they always come good at home, mm. um, or they have done since class. Well, since there. December as well. That seems to be their sort that, of favourite yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's bizarre, but uh, obviously takes them a long time to warm up at home. I was going to um, say, yeah. But if they can, you know, they won two in a row already mm. um, in December. So if they can just get another three points on Saturday, it just keeps things a little bit more even, keeps them looking up the table as opposed to down before they've got those back-to-back um, away games. Yeah, two trips over Christmas time. I mean, Warsaw's not, not too far, but it's still an away ground. It's still full of away fans. How do you see this one going? I mean, Warsaw, a few places above them, but not exactly out of reach. No, not at all. And it's so hard to predict Rovers at the moment. You know, if I was if I was doing my Saturday accumulator, I certainly wouldn't have been anywhere near it. No. It's just like, <laughs> they're, a nightmare. they're just a nightmare to predict. But... Two away games against Warsaw and Oldham. Oldham's the, the next one, yeah. Yeah, I just... I mean, Oldham are right next to them. Yeah, a win out of two would be would be all right, I think. Um, and neither of them are nice trips, particularly, over mm. Christmas. Um, but, you know, you've got to be positive. They have, you know, they beat Northampton 6-0 away from home. They've won, won at Bury. You know, they, they have put in performances just very, very sporadically. And at least Warsaw's not too far to go on Boxing Day. Take the positives. Well, yeah, I'm pleased with that. <laughs> um, so you, you wrote this article about Daryl Clark issuing a warning to the current Bristol Rovers players. Uh, he's been explaining his, his January transfer plans. Tell me more about this. Yeah, so this is from speaking to Daryl after the game at Gillingham um, on Saturday where he basically said the players need to have a look and a think. Do they want to be League One players? bog-standard League One players is what he called all his team on Saturday. He asked them, do they want to remain bog-standard League One players or do they have the ambition and the drive to go and become mm. championship players? I think that's always been his hope and I think it's what he believes and he has done for years that these players that he's brought up from League Two in the conference, some of them at least, do have the potential to be championship players. They're still young. Which ones do you think have the, cha- the championship potential right now? Uh, well, Bowden, obviously, I think it's his championship level or probably already. Mm. Um, I think Harrison can certainly flourish into that role. He's only 24. Um, and when when he's 
good. He's great. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. Sometimes he goes missing. Yeah, much, much less frequently this season. And that's been the biggest difference. He's, he's always blown hot and cold, but this season he's actually got some consistent performances together. Uh, he scored three and three before the weekend. Um, and he's just he's, he's just got a lot about him. He's always a presence on the pitch now. Mm. Uh, like you say, before we go missing, now he's always in the action. So I think he could make the step up. Um, there's a couple of others there. You, you know, you think Lockie's enjoyed a tough season, but he's, he's a quality player. He's played for Wales. He's played for Wales. He's been captain for a couple of seasons. He's 22. He's so young. So, you know, realistically, he's five, six years away from his prime. Mm. So there's plenty of scope for these players to improve and get to the championship mm. but whether that's next season is a whole other matter isn't it well here's a harsh question to put put you on the spot and one I, one I don't like asking but I think fans would be interested to hear your opinion on do you think there's any dead weights in that team right now um I don't know it's a tough one they haven't got a huge squad who's being carried in that starting if I said to you uh, January transfer window if you brought someone in of as good as or better calibre what positions would you be looking to change in that starting eleven? Yeah, I think they need they need a wide man on, on the left wing particularly. Obviously, Bowden plays on the right. And they've basically been playing the season without a left winger. So they don't really have anybody in that position. Square, Le- square pegs and round holes, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So you end up playing Circum out there, but he's so good. In he's got a brilliant goal as well. Yeah, and he's, he's been one of the best players, Absolutely. He? He's been one of the most consistent players. And you want to play in him in that sort of 10 attacking midfield role, mm. not out on the left. So they've got to get a left midfielder in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Byron Moore leave in January. He wasn't in the matchday squad yesterday. He's, I'd struggle to remember the last time he started a game, a league game. Okay, so if Liam Sirkham gets shifted into the middle, then who in the central midfield drops out? I would probably, if everybody was fit, I would pick Sirkham and Sinclair in the middle. Right. Which would then leave uh, Ollie Clark and Lines out, wouldn't it? I just think Sirkham has been by far the most impressive in the midfield, so I'd, I'd pick him for his goals and mm. for his skill on the ball. He's just a technically very good player. Um, and Sinclair is just a battler, isn't it? Yeah, he's a, proper he's a workhorse. And yeah, it's absolutely. like a little Rottweiler, isn't he? When yeah. he to, and, to get it. You know, if you're winning, 90, you know, winning ninety percent of your games and challenging for the top two, you probably wouldn't have Sinclair on your side. You'd probably bring somebody in like Lines or Clark who can ping a forty-yard pass and make mm. something happen. But but where they are now? Yeah, Rovers are fifteenth in the table, staring a relegation battle in the face at the moment. So Sinclair is not a bad player to have on your side. In terms of wingers, then is is there any names being mentioned? I mean. That that is obviously a target you'd think for Daryl Clark, given what you've just said. Has he hinted at anyone, or from what you've heard, is there anyone that he's been scoping out? No, not particularly. He's, he's certainly not hinted at anybody. He's um, keeps saying he'll assess things in January. He's got these three lists that he's mentioned before from Aldi, Waitrose, and uh, Lidl. I think it was no Poundland, wasn't it? I was going to say yeah, on Aldi and Lidl on, on yeah, a part. So, yeah. so Waitrose is obviously the best. Yeah. Aldi is the middle, I suppose, and Poundland is your that was your it. bargain basement. Yeah. So obviously. You know, the question is which I'd list... I'd love to know yeah, who's exa- on what. <laughs> exactly. Which list is he buying from? And then when the players come in, which list have they come off? So um, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. He'll definitely bring, play- bring players in. Um, three or four is what he wants, I would suspect. So we'll have to just wait and see. It's, it's so difficult to buy quality in January. Yeah. You know, maybe he'll dip into the low market. And with respect in League One, you know, because if you're a Premier League player, more often than that, not, you know, if, if you're very good, you get loaned to a championship club. Although you do see, you know other loans to League One and League Two clubs that have been successful, yeah, don't you? Yeah, Rovers have had a few that have been successful. Obviously, you know, Sweeney's been a little bit off the boil this season, but he was really good last season. Lumley, the goalkeeper, was yeah, great. Um, so they've had a couple there that have done done well. They might dip into the loan market again. Do you think it's hard to attract young lads that are playing maybe in under-23s and things like that that have these beautiful facilities in the Premier League? Do you think it's hard to attract them 
to Bristol Rovers to come on loan. I think it'd make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Just give them the training ground facilities and things like that. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if you're, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Chelsea and you've got this beautiful training facilities and you sort of want for nothing, it's a big lifestyle change to go and train at Bristol Rovers. Yeah, completely it is. You know, the, the facilities are substandard for League One, let alone these lads that are coming from Premier League and Championship. I think the players that Rovers have brought in have been sort of sold the vision by Daryl Clark and bought into Clark himself as Rather a manager and, and the, the team spirit and maybe mm. even you know, maybe even Bristol is a nice place to come for six months yeah. as opposed to Weller training. world-class training facilities, yeah. Billy Bowden and what's the latest on him? Any more rumours of him leaving? No, 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 no rumours or anything like that. Obviously, championship clubs are, are sort of sniffing around. Cardiff in... City sniffing around? Apparently so. Nothing I've heard yeah. for definite. Um, they were rumoured to be the side that put in the bid in summer. In the summer, mm. um, obviously, it wouldn't be a bad fit for him there. You know, not too far to travel. He is Wales qualified. Um, his dad played for Wales, um, so we'll wait and see on that front. But obviously, he hasn't signed a new deal with Rovers. He said he's waiting, isn't he? Yeah, he sort of, he, he didn't dodge the question, that's probably unfair, but he just sort of said, you know, I, I wanted to get back fit and uh, playing before I think about it, and he just sort of said, we'll see what happens. But, and his deal runs out in summer? Yeah, his deal expires in June. So he's um, not going to go for that much money? No, that's the worry, isn't it? That is the worry. So, obviously, he's free to talk to clubs. If he does stay over the window, he's then free to talk to clubs when that window closes, with a mm, view to a free yeah. move in the summer. Um, so maybe Rovers are better off... Cashing in, I mean, cashing in on him in January, but then, like you say, because he's only got six months on his contract, Rovers are in a, you know, having their hands tied there, mm. and they'll probably get off a pittance for him. Why wasn't he signed in before this? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you can ask Daryl Clark that for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in the next podcast. Uh, speaking of the next podcast, then we'll be back in the new year, and hopefully, we'll have some more transfer gossip. Over the festive period then, Jack, we've talked about these fixtures. What would be the best outcome when we come back in 2018? Well, best outcome, we win every game, Yeah, win every game, But, you know, I think that's Okay, let me rephrase that. probably unrealistic. We know what the best outcome is. (laughs) What's what's the most realistic outcome? Yeah, so they've got four games, haven't they, including the New Year's Day game. And I think if they can just get two wins and then sniff a draw for the first time in ages, Mm. that wouldn't be a bad return. They don't do draws. No, exactly. I haven't drawn since February. But, um... Pompey at home on New Year's Day is a really tough game. Mm, such and, a big club. Uh, yeah, and Oldham and Walsall away is tough. Saturday's huge against Doncaster. Um, it's going to be a tough one. I think most of the excitement in January will be around the transfers, see where we can get in. Um, but fingers crossed, they'll be still sort of less than 10 points away from the top six. So you can still dream. There's still 20 games to go at that point. So mm-hmm. it is doable. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed, we'll be looking at up the table rather than down in 2018. I like finishing on this positive note. Uh, Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll be back at the start of January. Gassing out loud.